been a lot of noise about your book on LinkedIn. I've seen a lot of activity. Uh, what, what, why did you write it? What was it? What, what, what is it you're trying to do with the book? I have no idea why I wrote it. To be honest, I, I started putting uh, bits and pieces together probably like a year ago, and then over Christmas I was I was in France with absolutely nothing to do. Um, and I started putting it together. And I just want to kind of promote this proactive approach of fix the stuff upstream and really engage people. And a, a lot of people will say, oh, it's not possible or something. But it, it is. It's just a different set of skills and a different set of approaches. You know, just like fixing an electric car is going to be different than fixing a petrol car. You just have to adapt and use these, these different approaches that work for those problems. Uh, and that's where I'm obviously obsessed with cars. Um, the, the kind of car factory analogy that I start the book off with is, you know, we've, we've got this factory and we're building these cars in it and they're all, you know, getting bolted together and body panels and painted and everything. And then we're pushing them into the parking lot from the third floor. And then in the parking lot, people are like, oh, they're crashing, they're moving them, they're assessing the damage, they're working out the repair process, they're working out what parts they need, they're getting the tooling, they're hiring more people. They're stepping all over each other. They're creating processes so that things don't interfere and then certification frameworks for quality and, and all this stuff. And next thing you know, you've got vendors and consultants and thousands of people and no one's pointing out, like, can we just make the cars come out the ground floor? And then all you need to do is buff them with a rag and you're good to go. Uh, that's a different set of skills. And we are, you know, you look at the skills gap and everyone's hiring parking lot roles. Everyone's hiring SOC analysts and incident responders and uh, forensics and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you're hard pressed to find a role that talks about business engagement, reviewing process, improving process. They're not out there. And the, the critical thinkers that I know that would actually do that and look at, uh, this is the root cause of the problem. We need to go look over there what's causing, you know, at the root cause. Uh, I'm not going to say all of them are unemployed, but most of the people in security I know that are unemployed are those critical thinkers that will go after the root causes because there's, there's no demand for them. So it was kind of like just a frustration with that and just kind of dumping all those ideas and, and how to make it happen and some examples of, of where I've had success. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, to be honest, I, I complain about a lot of these things, but I've been doing this for 22 years and I'm yeah. e equally guilty of, of doing all of them for of the longest time. It strikes uh, me that uh, 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 one part of success in in doing um, doing the role you're doing is just about making sure you're asking the right questions and really sort of get you know being being eternally curious about well, why is that there? What's the point of that? What's that achieving? Is that making sense? Right? It, it more than tech. It's just about getting the questions right. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because I I did the, the CIO water cooler and they just posted the interview yesterday, and he started out with a question. Uh, completely unscripted. He started out with the question just before we started um, talking about, and he's like, you know, like, do you think we need like more standardization and more maturity in the industry? And I, and I was like, no, I think we need less of it potentially. And he, he thought that was very surprising because everybody else wants to standardize roles and process and best practice and framework. And I'm like, we're think we're taking all the thinking out of it. We're just t telling, you know, You've got this unique organization with a unique structure doing a unique thing with unique people, and you're downloading this you know, cut-and-dry cookie-cutter thing off the internet, and this is what you're going to apply. And you're not 
thinking through the situation you have in front of your face. So it's never a good match. And then that's how you start getting these gaps. And if instead you, you look at the situation that's in front of your face, really think through the problem. Why do we do this? Who does it? Uh, and the funny thing is just by engaging with people and showing interest in what they're actually doing, so you do your job, people appreciate you more because they see you're actually interested in their job. And they, they see you're there and you're curious about what they're doing. And yeah, I mean, we talked about this like what last, last year in the, the CISO talks about just the sheer importance of curiosity. That's and right, yeah. So much of it nowadays seems to be just pushing down NIST or ISO or whatever. And I'm, from a regulatory standpoint, great. But I'm, and a lot of people seem to need it. They seem to not really know what they're supposed to do without it, which surprises me. Uh, but, you know, by the love of God, get, that, get ISO right? certified. But build security for your organization yeah. and then map it to, map it mean, to the ISO or the NIST or whatever. Right. But, or, you know, you, yeah, you, I guess I'd go, rather go they were following it. some, some type of, let's say, I mean, I guess I'd rather, you know, an organization was following some part of framework, which means they're enabling to get, you know, more than they would have otherwise done if they've got nothing in place because they don't have that way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. I mean, the, the way of thinking it, yeah. it seems to be lacking. And I, but I think yeah. that's the root issue that we have to address more than let's keep layering stuff on. I mean, obviously, you know, look at what you have in, in front of your face. If you are extraordinarily curious and engaging, chances are you'll probably cover everything. But it certainly won't hurt to also go through ISO and NIST and Cyber Essentials just to make sure you haven't missed something or maybe it gives you an idea. You know, always, always you know, pick and choose the best ideas out of things. And if you have a, a comprehensive, you know, even completely bespoke framework, if, if you feel like it's covered everything, chances are it'll very easily map to all the controls of the various frameworks. That's what I do. I do a, you know, my bespoke framework, and then I create a mapping to ISO and to Cyber Essentials Plus and PCI typically. And you know, I've, I've covered all the controls already just because it's there and it needs to be secured. So I've, I've built security around it. And it's very easy to map that to those external standards. You can do it very, very quickly. Uh, and you know, sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? As I'm reading ISO 27001 again, yeah, you know what? I, I could actually improve. That gave me an idea to improve something here. Or, yeah, I may have had a slight gap there that I hadn't thought about. So, you know, by all means, use it, leverage it. But don't yeah. limit yourself to it. And it shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be a cut and dry implementation of it. Like, even if you did that, you, you always have to think about how does this translate to my specific situation? Yeah, and so many people seem unable to do that, and instead they let the framework structure their thinking, and it, it's it's your organization that should structure your thinking. That's it. It's, it's yeah. yeah, gray area. Makes sense. Greg, is that is that copies of your book behind you on your bookshelf? Yes, it is. Can, can we have a quick flash of the front cover? Uh, wow, well, uh, it wasn't meant to be a shameless plug. Yeah, of course not. Of course, I trust you. I believe you. <laughs> there you go. That's that's the one. There we go. Of there course, go. If, if I had a mirror, it would be even better. <laughs> I, I, someone, someone actually gave me my first non-five-star review today. I was like, ah. What? Where did but, you lose it, Greg? Where did you lose but, it? But to be fair, he had, he had, the, he had really, I mean, his, his feedback was still really positive. And he said he wanted to get, because it's a series of three I'm going to do. And he says he's still going to get the other two. He just, he complained a bit about the, uh, the polish, which to be fair, there were some typos in there that I'm working on cleaning up. Um, and uh, what was the other thing? He thought, he thought one bit was, uh, was sounded a bit arrogant, but I was trying to be 
cheeky more than, than arrogant. I think I think it just didn't. He was American. I don't know if the humor humor translated well, uh, but he made a really good point because the, the there's a chapter in there where I'm talking about back when I was a teenage hacker, and you know you built your own systems and you set up your own networking and you compiled your own stuff, and you coded your own stuff. Um, I forget what the chapter is actually about, to be honest, but it's that that breadth of skill sets and uh, that kind of curiosity that allows you to have a wide foundation. And I think it's so important that you have that foundation, that you understand how all the things, how your operating system and the network and, and the code and libraries and the applications, how they all tie together to have that visibility. Because I find things are, are siloed way too thinly. Um, but that tied into, he didn't make the comment, yeah, but then in another chapter he says, you don't have to find a unicorn. You can just hire people without having too many technical skills. So he thought that was a bit, that doesn't line up. And the way I meant it, so it's, it's good that he pointed out because now I can clarify it in a future edition, is if me as a 16-year-old can, can learn you know, networking and Linux and coding and, and all this stuff just by reading a few books in my bedroom, Surely that's not a barrier. So you can hire someone who doesn't know that yet, and you can bring them up to speed in two months. That's that's the kind of point I was trying right. to. Right. Yeah. I'm not like you said. Like I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm sure like if, if I can do it, surely anyone can do it. Type of deal. But uh, yeah. Right. Because I certainly I know you know the way that you've gone around you know building your infosec organization where you are is very much about you know bringing on people with the right aptitude rather than necessarily experience. And I think that's what served yeah. you pretty well, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it, first of all, I don't have the, the budget, but I've, I've got to say, like, the, the people I have now, they're, in terms of performance, they're, they're fantastic, and they're so self-motivated and eager, and, I mean, they're just studying on their own all the time. I have not, it's, there, there's this, such an aversion to, everyone's talking about the skills gap, which I honestly don't believe there is one. And it, it, yeah, sure, there's lots of open roles, but it's because we're trying to do all that reactive parking lot stuff, right? Um, but yet, despite everyone saying that there's the skills gap, everyone is so averse to hiring. Everyone's so averse to taking someone who doesn't have this massive tick box, you know, tick list of, of things for them. So, sorry, my LinkedIn's beeping on me now. And I, I just find that strange because they think, oh, it's going to take so, so long to bring them up to speed and to, to train them and it's going to be expensive. No, it's not. Just give them a computer and a library card. Yeah, you'd be amazed at how, you know, just, just direct them a bit and just throw them in the deep end. But give them tasks that are way above their level and just have them do them in, in you know, one small step at a time. Come, come checking back. My approach is, you know, throw them in the deep end of the pool. Just be there if they start drowning. And, and they very, very quickly build up that confidence and that ability because they have no right. choice. Yeah. But they actually want to do it. They feel, they feel privileged to do a job that should pay five times what you're paying them. Yeah, you know, and yeah. they're super excited and motivated about it. So they actually end up doing a really good job, even if the experience is a little bit less.